I'm looking forward to this evening. It's really great to see such a, a good number of, of people out tonight. Normally, uh, traditionally in a lot of churches, Easter Sunday evening can be a, a lower attendance with people already away for their, their Easter holidays. But it's just great to see so many of you out tonight. And we appreciate you being here. And we would trust that God will speak to you. Who was out this morning? Yeah, wasn't it a brilliant service? It's been a fabulous weekend, and we're just thanking God for it all, for all that he's doing in the church, for the momentum that we're having, and how it's building, how it's growing. It's only him, it's only the Lord, and what the Lord is doing here, and we're just excited about it all. So it's great to see you. If any visitors here, my name is Pip, and, and, and along with Davey, we're part of the pastoral lead team here in the church, and it is lovely to have you along. Tonight, we're going to think about what is called the Ascension of Christ the ascension of Christ. It is a huge, huge event in redemptive history, but it is a neglected event and much misunderstood event in the church today. Rarely we'd hear a sermon about it. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus rightly get much focus of our attention. But whilst we can easily buy a card at, at Christmas time and also at Easter, you'll struggle to try and find an Ascension card. Uh, you'll not be able to find one. Yet, this was one of the greatest moments in Christ's life. And this was one of the greatest moments in the life of the church as well. And I hope that tonight we can understand that a little bit more. So if you, wanna, if you have a pen and paper, take notes down. We're going to go through a lot of things tonight. It's good teaching and hopefully we'll build us up in our, in our spirits. The ascension took place 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. And it's rightly given its place the whole way through Scripture. In the book of Psalms, for example, we have what are called Psalms of Ascent. Psalms that were traditionally sung by worshippers as they ascended to Jerusalem for some of their great festivals. But we know that these Psalms of Ascent had much greater significance, especially when Paul in Ephesians 4 links one of those Psalms with the ascension of Christ. They were pointing forward to something even more significant. The ascension was given its place in the Gospels. For example, Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 33, I am with you only a short time, then I am going to the one who sent me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The ascension, it was also big news in the, in the early church, and it's given its place in the New Testament letters as well. And it was also part of their early praise. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, you'll find a quote by Paul from an early church hymn, which quotes in it how Jesus was taken up in glory. So biblically, the whole way through, the ascension is given its rightful place. Yet the wonder of this astonishing event is often neglected and misunderstood or even overlooked in our day and age. R.C. Sproul, who, who sadly passed away recently, was a, a wonderful preacher, great influence on my life. He said this, the ascension is one of the, one of the most important events in all biblical history. 
One of the most important events in all of biblical history. And I want to put it to you tonight that just as it is unthinkable to have the cross without the resurrection, so it should be in our lives unthinkable to have the resurrection without the ascension of Jesus Christ. So we're going to read about it together. So if you have a a Bible with you, please open at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 4 through to verse 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is the authoritative and the inspired word of God. And while staying with them, he, that is Jesus, ordered them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up? into heaven. This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his precious word. At Christmas, we celebrate the wonder of Christ's arrival, but rarely do we consider the greatness of his departure. The gradual, visible, and bodily ascension of Christ was so significant, and I want to share a number of reasons why. Firstly, the ascension was Christ's coronation. The ascension was Christ's coronation. The coronation, of course, is a ceremony when a sovereign is is crowned, anointed, and then enthroned. And all of us will have seen video images of the coronation and the ceremony when Elizabeth was crowned queen. The pomp and the ceremony. But what a ceremony. What a ceremony it must have been when the champion of heaven the Son of God, the Savior of the world ascended, transported on a cloud into heaven for his coronation as King of kings and Lord of lords. The majesty, the majesty of that moment must have been just glorious. Yes, one day every knee is going to bow, but this was heaven's moment. This was heaven's moment to honor him and to put its stamp of approval upon all of his his redeeming work. And then can you imagine that moment when Christ was enthroned? Ephesians 1 verse 20 says that Jesus was seated at the Father's right hand. 
exalted as King and Lord. What a moment. And the theological significance of that moment when Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father should not be lost on us. The theological significance should not be lost on us. And let me quickly share with you, with you some of it. Firstly, Christ's ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father was significant because he fulfilled prophecy in doing just that. He fulfilled prophecy. Psalm 110 verse 1 prophesies and it says this, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I will then make your enemies your footstool. So Jesus was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Secondly, Christ's ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father was significant because it meant he was being given the place of honor. He was being given the place of honor. Paul said Christ was highly exalted. Peter said Christ is exalted to the Father's right hand. He was being given the ultimate supremacy, the ultimate dignity, and the ultimate prestige in heaven. The ascension saw his name become one that was above every other name. And it also set the pattern for his return. When one day he will come and then every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This event, it gave him the rightful place of honor that was his. Thirdly, Christ's ascension and sitting at the Father's right hand was so significant because it meant he was being given all authority. He was being given all authority. 1 Peter 3 verse 22 says, Christ went into heaven, his ascension, is at the right hand of the Father with angels and archangels and powers being made subject to him. <laughs> when Jesus sat down in heaven, everything, everything became subject to him. He was Lord over all. Fourthly, Christ's ascension and sitting at the Father's right hand was significant because it meant an end to all of his earthly limitations. When Jesus was on earth, the Bible tells us that he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all the former glory he had when he was in heaven. And it's amazing, in John 17, verse 5, Jesus prayed about this moment when he would be taken back and he would receive the glory that he knew before the world was. This moment saw the end of his earthly limitations. Fifthly, Christ's ascension and sitting down at the Father's right hand was significant because it meant the end or completion of all his earthly ministry. It meant the completion of all his earthly ministry. Last week, when Malcolm was talking, he, he, he said how Jesus Christ is utterly reliable. Utterly reliable. And here is another perfect example of that. Because Jesus said to us in John 4, 34, that he had come to finish the work on the cross. What did he cry out? He cried out, it is finished. But folks... It was this moment when the Father accepted him back into glory and permitted him to sit at his right hand. So it was the ultimate indication that the Father saw his work as complete. Saw his work as complete. Jesus is utterly reliable. Heaven was making this amazing statement, this powerful statement about the completion of Christ's redemptive work. 
And in doing so, it gave even more incontestable evidence of his victory over Satan. Sixthly, Christ's ascension and sitting down at the Father's right hand was also significant because it meant the start of his heavenly ministry. It meant the start of his heavenly work. Sitting down, it wasn't the signal of a, a savior who was slowing down or was coming to an end to become inactive. No, this was the start of his heavenly ministry. And anyway, we read in other parts of scripture how Christ adopted different postures. He was standing at the Father's right hand when Stephen was being stoned and martyred for his faith. In Revelation 2, verse 1, we read of Christ walking among the lampstands. This was not the end or him becoming inactive. This was the start of his heavenly work. What was he doing? Well, he was going there to prepare a place for us, wasn't he? John 14, it's a scripture we hear at nearly every funeral service we're at where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He went to start providing residency in heaven for all of his people. Hebrews 4 verse 14 tells us about Another part of his heavenly work, how Jesus passed through the heavens, his ascension to become what? Our great high priest. How incredible, how remarkable is that? That the ascension marked the start of his priestly role as our mediator, as our advocate, where he would faithfully intercede for us before the Father, where he would faithfully defend us before the Father so that no accusation can be brought before us. No accusation can be brought before us. This is the sort of stuff that fires our hearts and we can say with confidence, if God is for us, who on earth can be against us? Absolutely no one. And ultimately, Jesus has that heavenly role where he will judge the world. So Christ's ascension to to, to go into heaven and sit at the Father's right hand, it's one of the most outstanding events in redemptive history, and it's brimming with theological significance. And before I move on to another great, remarkable occasion that the ascension ushered in, let's just recap on what we've thought about there. This was Christ's coronation. Heaven's moment to celebrate him, putting its stamp of approval upon everything that he did on earth. When he went into heaven and he sat down, he was significantly fulfilling prophecy. He was exalted to the place of honor where his name was high above all other names. He was given all authority in heaven. Everything made subject to him. This occasion also, it marked the end of his earthly limitations. Glory was returned to him and it marked the completion of his earthly work and the beginning of his heavenly work. An outstanding moment. But do you know, this occasion also marked the start of another significant era for the kingdom of God. Because the second point tonight is this. The ascension of Christ saw an explosion of Christ's ministry on earth. The ascension of Christ saw an explosion of Christ's ministry on earth. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, It's better for you if I go. It is better for you if I go. Now, the disciples initially failed to grasp that, and they didn't want Jesus to go. They didn't grasp the significance of his departure. 
Of course, it was to their advantage that Jesus came, that he lived with them, that he died and that he rose on the, on the, again. But it was also to their advantage that he went because when he went, he would send the Holy Spirit. He would send the Holy Spirit and we would see this explosion of Christ's ministry on earth. Tim Keller, I'm sure most of you have, have read Tim Keller's stuff, amazing theologian, said this, the ascension of Christ detonated. The ascension of Christ detonated everything that Christ did to a completely new level. Credible. Christ ascended so that the Holy Spirit could descend. And it took everything to a new cosmic level. And this is, of course, because of who he sent to us. John 16 verse 7 says, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send another advocate. Another advocate. That is remarkable. Let me give you a little bit of teaching on that because it stirs my heart whenever I see it. It tells us exactly who it is that Jesus was sending to us. When he said, I will send another. In the, in the Greek language, there are two words for another. One is heteros, which means another but different. Another but different. It's where we get the word heterosexual from. Attracted to another human being of a different sex. Another but different. The other word in the Greek language for another is alos. A-L-L-O-S, which means another but the same. But the same. And when Jesus said, the Father will send you another, he used the word Alos. This was not a poor substitute. This was one who and this was on the same rank as Christ. This was one who was and is fully God. Absolutely fully God in all his majesty who is coming to be with us. Not a poor substitute. Not an impersonal force, but fully God. But the Spirit's arrival meant it was so better that Jesus left because no longer would his ministry be confined. What he did in one place at one time all of a sudden went to a global level. The Holy Spirit took it to a new level in everything. It was, he is unlimited. It's almost like Jesus was saying to the disciples, I am with you, but he is going to be in you. I am with you, but he, the Holy Spirit, is going to be in you. So the ascension, guys, it didn't mean an absence of Christ. It didn't mean an absence of Christ. No, it was going to be better because actually the ascension led to this heightening of Christ's presence throughout the world through the Holy Spirit. That's why he is often referred to in the New Testament as the Spirit of Christ. It led to a heightening of his presence in our lives. It didn't just see an end or a loss of Christ's leadership either. No, this was going to be better because the ascension led to this magnification of Christ's leadership in our lives because the Holy Spirit would now lead us into all truth. He would guide us in our lives. Yes, Jesus had this new heavenly ministry, but his earthly ministry continued, but at a new level. So you can see why Keller said it detonated everything Christ did to a completely new level. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, Peter preached, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of the Father, and having received the promise of the Spirit, he has poured out that which you now see and hear. At Pentecost, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit, and everything changed. It was better for him to go. You know, so often we can look back on envy at people who maybe lived at the time of Jesus when he was here, and it must have been wonderful. But I don't think we should be doing that sort of thing because actually we are living in the most incredible days. We're living in the most exciting time. The most exciting time for the church to be in existence because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 12, Jesus said this, greater things than these you will do. He was talking about the things that he had accomplished on earth. He said, greater things than these you will do because I am going to the Father and whatever you ask in my name will be given to you. (laughs) That's incredible, remarkable. People interpret that in, in different ways. Some people think greater things refers to the escalation of Christ's work on earth. Others think it means that as individuals will be able to do greater things than Jesus did. But here's the crack. No matter what way you interpret it, that's an incredible promise of power. It's an incredible promise of power for each of us. And where was the power coming from? It was coming from the Holy Spirit. How do we get that from that verse? I'm going to the Father. Greater things than these you'll do because I go to the Father. He had to go to the Father to what? Send us the Holy Spirit. The power was coming from the Holy Spirit. And how was the power released? Through prayer. And whatever you ask in my name will be given to you. Remarkable stuff. A promise of power through the Holy Spirit released through prayer. We are living in the most exciting times for the church to be in existence because of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we think about how we can respond to this tonight, let me just give a little thought about why the Holy Spirit's power has been released on us. We read the answer in the scripture that we had tonight. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses throughout the whole earth. The ascension, folks, is remarkable. One of the greatest moments in Christ's life, but also one of the greatest moments in the life of the church because it signaled Christ's Earthly ministry was now going to be done through you and through me in the power of the Holy Spirit. The explosion of his ministry on earth, taking everything to a new level by the Holy Spirit. The ascension really marked the passing of evangelism to the church. Because if you think about it, when Jesus was on earth, he was the primary teacher, wasn't he? Now, there were occasional forays into ministry by the, the 70 and, and the 12 disciples being sent out really for, for training pers- purposes. Even after his resurrection, he was still the primary teacher. But when he ascended, the responsibility for sharing the gospel was passed to you. It was passed to me. And with the Holy Spirit's power, it was going to shake the whole earth. It was going to shake the whole earth. It was Calvin who famously said, the task of the church is to make the invisible God's reign 
visible in the way that we live our lives. So this all saw the inauguration of Christ's heavenly ministry, but it saw the beginning of our earthly ministry. It was another huge commission to us to go. It was another huge commission to us to go and make disciples. In the scripture, I find this funny. There were two angels came to the disciples and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? I find that funny. Why on earth would they not be looking up into heaven after they saw this man just be taken up on the cloud of heaven? Absolutely incredible. But it was almost like the angel was saying to him, why are you looking up? Why are you looking up? Go to where you were told to go and wait for the Holy Spirit so that you can be his witnesses until Jesus returns in the same way. Looking up wasn't the appropriate response. You guys are getting the baton. Now take hold of it. Go, wait, and get yourselves ready. Then on Pentecost, the explosion came. The Holy Spirit was poured out in an unprecedented manner. The church exploded with life. 3,000 people were saved. Daily, the scriptures tell us, God was adding to their numbers. Lee Strobel, if you haven't read his book, The Case for Christ, take a note of that one. Please read it. It is outstanding. He said in his book that, that within 20 years, half of Jerusalem, between 100 and 120,000 people were Christian in spite of hideous persecution under Nero. The growth of the church continued to explode and it has continued to explode the whole way through the ages right up until today where Christianity is now the largest religion on the planet. It's better for you if I go Whoa, what incredible words. What an outstanding, earth-shattering, changing event the ascension was. Christ's coronation, sitting at the Father's right hand with thought of the significance of it. But it was the passing of the baton on to us to really see his ministry that had been confined geographically become global. Become global. So how can we respond in the last few minutes to the ascension? Firstly, we're going to respond like the disciples did. We're going to respond like the disciples did. Yes, they looked up initially, but see, whenever they got it and understood the significance of the ascension, Luke 24, 52 tells us that they worshiped Jesus and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Great joy in their hearts and continual praise. The worship team's going to join me up on the stage now. And uh, in, in a few minutes, they're going to enable us to do just that. It's been a fabulous weekend, and we want to just finish this really remarkable Easter weekend. You guys want to come up and join me here. Remarkable weekend that we've been having, an absolute, unadulterated praise of our King, praise of our God, with joy unspeakable in our hearts. That's how the disciples responded to the ascended King. That's how we're going to respond to the ascended King as well, with worship in our hearts. But our worship and the joy that we experience here, it should be enduring worship. 
It should be enduring worship as we're released in the power of the Spirit to go and live for Jesus. And as we live for him, let me tell you this, the ascension of Christ and understanding the ascension of Christ will give us perspective in our lives. It was when Stephen was being martyred for his faith and he caught a glimpse of the ascended, risen Christ that it gave him perspective to be able to face his death and also forgive the people who were murdering him. And no matter what we are going through, no matter what difficulties we face in our lives, knowing that he's in control, knowing that everything is subject to him, knowing that he has all authority and power can help give us great perspective in the difficulties that we have. He's king and ultimately he's going to work out all things for our good. And he's promised us that he'll do that. The ascension also helps us to keep worshiping and living in joy because it helps us live with expectation. Come on. It helps us live with expectation. This same Jesus you see going, he's coming back. He's coming back again. One day the crowds will break. One day the heavens will open, the trumpets will sound, and Jesus will return. And the expectation that we should live in of that moment that could happen any time, It should fill us with expectation to want to live for him, to want to go out into the worlds that each of us live in and just honor him, honor him, live for him and give him our absolute all. You have the baton. I have the baton. And it's his plan that we go and build his church. This is the most exciting time for the church to be in existence. Do you believe it, folks? Do you believe it? In verse six, the apostles say to Jesus, will you now restore your kingdom? It was almost like Jesus said, no, will you? (laughs) Will you now go and make disciples of all nations? He wants to continue his ministry through you, and he wants to continue his ministry through me. (laughs) And you know, the ascension in many ways shows the power of Christ. It shows us the power of Christ to work through our weakness because the church is in a mess in so many ways, but yet it's exploding at an incredible supernatural rate of growth all across the world because He, He is ascended and we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the ascension, it was another commission to go. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here? People of Dundonald Elam, why do we sit here tonight? We need to stand. We need to, to celebrate. We need to just fill our hearts with joy and lift up his beautiful name because of who he is and what he has done for us. We need to celebrate our risen king. We need to celebrate our ascended king. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords and celebrate everything that he has done for us. And we need to ask tonight, Father, please, Please fill us afresh with the power and the presence and the love of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it was David, he was saying, my cup, his cup wasn't full, his cup was full and running over. And I want that to be the experience in my life. And I'm sure you do too, where our lives are full and running over with the presence, the power and the love of God within us. 
Can we do it? People of Dundonald, why are we sitting here? Come on, let's stand together. Let's do it. Let's stand together and let's worship and celebrate and finish what has been just an incredible weekend here in his presence as we lift up the name of our risen, ascended King and all that means for us as it sends us into this week. Amen? Okay, come on, we'll worship.